Hello, Sarah. We are back. How is it? How is it in Colorado? Is it warming up there a little bit? Yeah, it's um, it's given us that really interesting what some people term. I know this is totally not PC, like bipolar weather. Like one day you have a massive snowstorm, like inches, and the next day it's like 70. And it just does that this time of year. It's all right. It's kind of cool. I like the drama of it. <laughs> That's some definite drama. You gotta go See? outside to figure out what you're wearing. Hey, save the drama for your mama. We have a big, we've got a mama, a big mama coming on the show today. We should, uh, uh yes. Well, you know, I wish I had it, but I, um, last night I happened to be in the grocery store and I found a mug with a llama on it that says, save the drama for your llama. So I bought it for my daughter. She <laughs> loved it. But we're not talking about llamas today. We're talking about mamas today. <laughs> yeah. Mamas. I just love all of it. I mean, I think we could create a mama llama, you know, drama club and we'd all be happy. I don't <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's what no we should drama. do. I'll take weather drama. So, but I think we should introduce our guest. What do you yes. think? I think it's time. I think it's time. And it, she's she is amazing. So recently, I've known about this woman for many years because she's been doing really cool things in the running space for well over a decade. Um, most recently, she's got two running stores, uh, run specialty stores in Connecticut, Ridgefield Running and Darianne Running. But long ago, created a race series to promote, embrace, and celebrate all the things that come with motherhood. So today, we're super excited to have Megan Searfoss on the show. Hello, Megan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. We're so so glad you're here, Megan. I'm so excited you're here. Yeah. We've been (laughs) chatting for a while, but this is Nicole's first introduction. Well, it's funny because we, Nicole and I go back and she probably doesn't remember, but I worked many an expo for skirt sports way back when it first launched. I mean, the the truth is motherhood changed my brain and I don't remember (laughs) anything after I had my child in 2011. I'm just going to blame it on that. Mm -hmm. But the truth is you actually have always been a relationship person and you had relationships with both some stores that we got our starts at, like uh, the bike shop in Glen Ellen. Oh my God. And a whole crew of characters in the San Diego area, Babbitt and John Smith. I mean- Mm -hmm. We're definitely connected because you know for, what? for sure. I have to say, like the very first theme we could probably talk about today is relationships, because that's really what it's all about. So even if we don't remember that we have relationships with each other, <laughs> we do. We are literally all connected these days. Nicole, we're just those people that, you know, we could be away for years and years and we just get right back into it. So even <laughs> though you don't remember, we'll just pretend that. Um, funny world, how it all comes together. Well, and what I love about both your stories as well is that you both were, um, running with the boys. Um, a lot of time Megan's Megan's fast too, right? Megan, you're, I mean, it used to be, I love how Sarah put you on the fat on on the spot. Megan's fast, right? Megan, are you fast? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not (laughs) now. So I'm a 12 minute miler on a, like a really good day. So everybody's fast. 
to me, but well, you, I remember you tell me you would, you back in the day, you would run with the boys, didn't you? Weren't you training for the boys? You've run Ironman. You, yeah. So awesome. I had a, I had a lot of fun with Ironman and I'm hoping to compete this year, maybe one last time. Um, and I think that I've never been extremely fast, but I'm very consistent. And if anybody knows anything about Ironman racing, um, there's a lot of athletes out there that are really good at one sport and I'm just about the same in all three. And then I've got that fourth dimension, which is that mental bit to work through things. And I think probably motherhood and the things that I've struggled with along the way have helped me realize that this isn't so bad. So wait, you, the fourth um, discipline is actually your superpower, which is like total mental toughness. Total mental toughness. And it's so funny. And Nicole, you probably have done this where I will train with guys and they will crush me in every training event. They'll crush me in everything. And, and then we get out on the race, we're doing the same race and, you know, mile 80 of the bike ride, I'll pass them because they've just blown everything out. And, you know, as women, we're like, okay, you know what, stay the course, stay where you are you're going to be fine. And, and, uh, I even have a guy that I used to train with that, um, his family after five years of me passing him either in the middle of the run. And he's like, I'm going to catch you. Um, saying, is this the year on his shirt? <laughs> I love oh, that. That's hilarious. Five yeah. years you passed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Megan, you know, you and I have talked a lot about run like a mother and, you know, how that was going to be a part of Zuma and all that. But I don't actually know, how, how did you come to running and triathlons? And like, I don't know that story. So I never ran as a kid. My dad ran marathons and bless his heart, he's 87 now and he has Parkinson's. And um, so it's really fun to share my experiences with him. But I started running when I had a baby and I was working full time and I couldn't go to the gym. That's like another 20 minutes away of wasted time. And so I really started with just going out, out and back for a mile, just okay, trying wait. to get something in. Wait, 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 wait. You started running when you were pregnant? No, I started running after I had her. And you I started was running when you had a baby. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yes. And so I was, went back to work really soon. I lived in Illinois and it was a right to work state. And the company I worked for had never had a manager that was a woman and certainly never had one that was pregnant. And so they were like, you have to return on the first day of the seventh week or you won't have a job. And thankfully my husband worked out of the house. So he took care of Abby and then we, we had someone else help out too. And I had to work. And so I just started going out the door and I started to realize the magic of what just being outside and moving did for my body, um, but mostly for my mind. So this was after your first baby, then it probably got you into pretty good shape. And is it, is it at that time that you discovered your inner athlete for the first time? Yeah. You know, I was a, I was a shot putter and a discus thrower and I played volleyball. So, um, so this sort of forward movement was, was really new to me. And, um, my sister had been running and a couple years into this whole running thing that I was doing, she called me one day and she said, Hey, she lived in Northern California. I lived in Southern California at the time. Let's do a marathon. I'm like, all right. 
And so the marathon she chose was the Big Sur Marathon. Oh my God. Okay. That was my first race ever. For anyone who doesn't know, Big Sur is like one of the hardest marathons in our country because it's so up and down. It is never flat. I actually ran it once. And it is hard, but it is gorgeous. And I will say what's really funny, and we're getting a glimpse of your mental, you know, uh, a toughness factor is that most people, when they start doing races, start with like a 5k mm-hmm. and you, your first race was a marathon. Yeah, it was really sort of backwards, but it was really fun. And this was way back, you know, it was 30 years ago or twenty seven years ago or something. And, um, I, it was back when carb loading was a big thing. And here I was in big Sur and I grew up in California and I have a really passion, great passion for sourdough. And so I thought I had carb load. So I ate literally a loaf of sourdough the day before the race. And I woke up the next morning and I had a food baby and, um, and I couldn't go to the bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> it's like every so, runner's so, biggest fear. <laughs> so I carried that food baby with me. I literally looked like I was probably a couple months pregnant um, because it was literally a loaf of sourdough because that's what I thought I was supposed to do in carb loading. I carried it till about mile 23. Oh my and God. So, yeah. The last 5K was fast. <laughs> <laughs> That is so freaking funny. I mean, the truth is like, I still carbo load, even though I don't even race anymore. You didn't mm-hmm. just carbo load, you gluten loaded, like I gluten loaded. massive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, sourdough is low glycemic. It's good for your digestion. It just is also a cork at the same time. It wasn't good that day. Oh no. my gosh. That is so funny. So, um, but what's funnier about it is that this first experience probably would have turned a lot of people off, but it sounds like it just opened up a whole floodgate for you. It really did. And I think the biggest takeaway, and this is why I run like a mother is so important to me is that so many women look at themselves and think, oh, I can't do that. I can't fit into those tiny shorts. I'm not a runner. I'm not this. I'm not that. And um, it's just trusting your crazy idea and thinking, okay, maybe I can do that. And maybe, maybe I'll start with a marathon, but really maybe I'll start with a 5k. And that feeling going across the finish line at, um, at Big Sur was that feeling that I want everybody in the world to experience, every woman in the world to experience. Like I was like, I did this and I did it by myself. I trained by myself. I had my own time and, um, and it was really, really cool. And then my sister who ran a little bit ahead of me, um, she actually got engaged at the finish line. So that was also really fun. Her, her boyfriend was out there. So it was a great day. Wow. That is insane. So can we talk about that a little bit? Because part of why we wanted to have you on here was because run like a mother has joined the Zuma family after 14 years. Um, So will you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to create the Run Like a Mother series, a little bit about the grand vision, kind of what it has been? Yeah, certainly. So it's, it was really amazing. Um, I think as moms, we're always the second one on our list, or maybe even the third, it goes usually kids, husband, mom, yourself, or or the other, but you're always the third. And, um, 
when we moved, I followed my husband's career quite a bit. And we moved to Ridgefield, Connecticut in 2006. And I made sure that my kids had play dates. Everybody was happy. Everybody was set up. And then all of a sudden they were at school and I was like, okay, where are my friends? <laughs> and, um, and I found a group of women um, that ran every Sunday together and quickly we became fast friends. And it was really awesome. I was training for Lake Placid at that time. And also then I had the New York City Marathon that year. So they really helped me kind of get settled and they were my people. Um, the following year, we all invited a friend for Mother's Day to come run or walk with us. And there were about 40 of us, usually about 15 or 20 um, in, in the year before. And um, we had so much fun. And so then in 2008, about six weeks before run before Mother's Day, I woke up and I'm like, run like a mother. Oh my God, we should put, we should let every woman in this town feel the same way that we do when we finish a run. And so I reached out to some friends that were race directors, two guys. And I said, Hey, I want to put on this little race. What do you think? And they said, well, you should put it on like a rail trail or somewhere where you don't have to pay. Cause you'll probably have about 50 participants and you know, that way you won't spend too much money. And this is before really any social media was big or any way of easily getting a hold of people. And so I sent out a couple emails to different PTA groups and within like six days, I had 500 women signed up oh my and God. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. I've raced a lot, but I've never put on a race. And, um, and, and the, the two guys that are really good friends of mine now were like, what you got what? And so that first year we had 500 women run the race. I closed it cause I kind of freaked out. And then, um, and it was an incredible thing. Like it's mother's day. Everybody's happy. Everybody wants to celebrate you and, um, and the kids, we, we had little posters so that the kids could decorate the line. streets were lined with, you know, go mom, go or run mom, um, signs. And, um, and so it really was a very successful day. Everybody got a flower at the finish line and it was just, a, just beautiful in the park, probably about 2000 people when all the families were there. And so then the next year we added a kid's race and then we started adding training programs and then it kind of just grew from there. When was the first, what year was that first race that you hosted? 2008. 2008. Yeah. Yeah. That was I like the wild it. west. I mean, you could get away with 500 people showing up at like a rail trail thing. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, okay, next year I have to learn how to be a business person. Like, was that the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey? 100%. And what was so amazing was I realized I needed a logo and my 80 year old aunt designed the logo. And the original logo was very like Coco Pelli looking. It was very like stick figure ish. And it was a, a, a young woman running, then a woman running pregnant, then a woman pushing a stroller, and then a woman running with kids in tow, and then a woman running free, kind of like the evolution of women. And um, so we got that. I, I did the trademark immediately and um, after that first race, I was like, okay, this is awesome. Was so excited. I, we had a charity partner. I donated all the money, all the proceeds to um, Hole in the Wall Gang Camp, which is a great camp. Um, and then I realized, not being very businesslike, that you still get taxed on all that donation dollars. <laughs> 
And so my husband was like, okay, so you gave every bit of your money away, but you're being taxed on that whole thing. I'm like, yeah, but it was a donation, but you're still being taxed because it's income. So then we started a real business or I started a real business. So you <laughs> lost some money and then you mm-hmm. were like, I better do it again next year so I can make mm-hmm. that back. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, we've all been there. I mean, this is um, a 100% a learning curve journey. You're probably still learning today. I mean, obviously you are because you're evolving. Yeah. My sister said something really cool to me the other day. I've always had sort of the the mantra with me is trust your crazy ideas. Like you have to act on them. Um, and it, as soon as you start thinking about it in your head enough, and then you start to vocalize it to friends, it becomes it, it becomes something. Um, but my sister said to me the other day, another saying, which I really like, which is fail forward. Mm. And I think that's brilliant. Like you just, you just have to do it. And you're every time you fail, you're just going to inch a little bit more forward to what you're trying to get out of life. That's so true. Those are some of the biggest, biggest learnings. Yeah. I like your, I like your, I like your uh, style sister. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be afraid to fail. You're going to do nothing. That's right. Um, So Sarah, what did yeah. you go ahead, Sarah? You do no, it. You take ahead. it, sister. Well, <laughs> no. Sarah, Sarah and I had talked prior and thought this would be a cool thing to put you on the spot with, um, which is letters to yourself, past and future. So you've been around for a while. You've started a movement. You've affected many lives. You are helping women chase the finish line feeling. You live in a world of empowerment and accessibility now. 20 years ago, you know, what would you, what would your letter to your 20 years ago self look like? What would be a prime message? I think it would be mostly... Mostly the thought that, you know, you can't worry about yesterday and you have to worry only about today. I think um, we spend a lot of time with hangups or things that have happened to us in the past that we feel drives our future and it doesn't. And um, so, you know, I think it's super important to understand that you have to make, you have to make the most of every day because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So it's really, and there's so much cliche about that but it's true. And um, so that's kind of how I wake up and, and go, I think back then I didn't understand that, but I think you have to go through a lot in life to understand that. And I have a, a friend, a coach, a track coach in town that said to me, cause we've had a really roller coaster life, our family, the past uh, 10 years or so that Megan has the most craptacular life. <laughs> And it's, it, it, that's so awesome because I have these like really crazy highs and then these really huge valley valleys that like, how am I ever going to get out of this? And it's just like, okay, that's only in this moment. I can't worry about what's happening to the right of me. And I certainly don't want to worry about what's happening on the other side. Ah, oh, isn't it fun to talk to your past self? Okay. <laughs> now I want you to go 20 years in the future. What you are writing your 20 years in the future self a letter. What is your main message? Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's funny because I woke up the other day and I thought, 
my parents are in their 80s. They're 30 years older than me. Oh my gosh, I only have 30 more years to live. Like what? That doesn't sound like very much. I have a daughter that's 28. So I only have that much more time possibly to live. I mean, maybe I'll live to 100. I don't know what I would write to myself except for the same, same sort of message. Like it's just, you just have to be in the, in the present. Like I don't want to be 80 years old or 75 years old and, and think that my next step is my last. You know, it's cool. Uh, I love that. Same message, you know, and it's almost like you had a sense of urgency in your voice. Like, I got to live. I'm living. Let's live. Live now, you know. No waiting. We don't wait for That's it. Right. <laughs> well, it actually makes me uh, think about your current situation and how you have created a lot of busy busyness, businesses for yourself. And um, it sounds like you have made a decision that it's time to focus more or change your pace a little bit. And, you know, in order to make that happen, you're doing this handoff, this baton pass, so to speak, like I did with skirt sports to the amazing Sarah, who's sitting here taking it all. She's got her arms open and we're all like, here, take this, take this, <laughs> do right by it. We know you will. Um, so what happened in your life that led you to wanting to make this decision? Well, Run Like a Mother has been, um, through some of the hardest times of my life. Um, in to back up a little bit, let me tell you a quick story. In 2003, my husband um, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And before they realized what it was Crohn's, he was in the hospital for 30 days. He's a big guy, 6'5". Um, back then, he was probably 210, good basketball player. And by the time he left the hospital after 30 days, he weighed about 155 pounds. Um, he was really sick. And it really changed our life. We had three young girls. I didn't know anything about Crohn's disease. I didn't know. We didn't know any, anything. And he had a couple of mishaps of surgery. So it was, it was really daunting. Um, and that's before long before run like a mother, but that's what kind of inspired me to do my first Ironman. I did Ironman Wisconsin in 2005. Um, and I did it as a fundraiser for the, for Crohn's disease. And that was our, that was our first thing is like, I was going to raise as much money as I could to save my husband and, and our life. And then we moved here and everything was wonderful and, um, and run like a mother started and I was racing and I had this great work-life balance and I was inspiring people to run. And, and, uh, in 2010, uh, my oldest daughter who was, um, a senior in high school that year, she was captain of the basketball team the day before tryouts got really sick. And sure enough, she has Crohn's disease. And so it was a turning point because I never in, the, in, in our life had thought in the seven years that we lived with this disease that my kids would have it. And, um, and so quickly I went from doing things in Ridgefield and being part of the community to taking my daughter to New York City to a million doctor's appointments. She ended up having surgery over Thanksgiving. Um, our life had just kind of like all of a sudden, when you have a child that's sick, nothing, nothing else matters. And, um, and then I started to look at my, our middle daughter 
and realized that she was running cross country and she was losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. And guess what? She has Crohn's disease. And Crohn's disease genetic. I mean, it is, it is. So any, um, any, um, autoimmune disease, whether you have lupus or psoriasis or Crohn's or MS, um, if you have that autoimmune gene, um, if anybody in your family has it, the chances that you have a 30% chance of anybody in your family having some sort of autoimmune opportunity, as we'll call it an opportunity. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. So what did you do after you realized your other daughter? So that day, this, this goes with the craptacular life. Um, so the day that I found out Sarah, our middle daughter had Crohn's, my husband said, you know what, go out on your bike, you know, cause we were going to pull her out of school and tell her, go out and just go for a ride. Calm your mind. Well, I got hit by a car. <laughs> what? Yes. And I wasn't really hurt, but I could have been, I went kind of under just miss. She T-boned me. Um, yeah. And so, wow. You know, you realize how lucky you are and that, you know, you're going to get through this, but it was, it was crazy craziness. So hit by car daughters, two daughters with Crohn's disease. And that was in October of 2010. And then in February, 2011, we hit the trifecta and all three girls have Crohn's disease. And for listeners that don't know, Crohn's is an autoimmune disease that affects your intestinal tract. So it can be from the tip of your tongue all the way to your bottom. And it kind of picks and chooses where it wants to go. Um, and so that's kind of been our life journey. And, and what's been really amazing through all of this is Run Like a Mother has carried me wow. through some of the worst times of my children's life and our own family life. Um, and now they're all grown up and they're super wonderful people and doing really cool things themselves. And Run Like a Mother, which I love dearly, needs some arms like Zuma to wrap around itself. And I think that the sort of passing of the baton from Run Like a Mother, my little business that I had to Zuma where women from all over the United States can experience it is really, really special. And it's a new young brand um, that I'm really excited to be part of. I love that. It's like... It's like know. a motherhood journey in itself, you know? It totally is. <laughs> is. Well, and we've already, um, I mean, we're virtual this year, you know, but we recently just, we launched the Run Like a Mother virtual, it was last week, and we've seen a huge response already. Over 1,300 women have signed up, wow. uh, which is amazing. Um, and so I, it's just... I am so honored to be able to bring Run Like a Mother into the Zuma brand and the Skirt Sports brand and all these these fun things that we have coming together, which just really help empower women. So Megan and I connected immediately when she called me um, and we talked about this. And so really excited to be to be bringing Run Like a Mother to Zuma, but then also hopefully next year, um, it's a series of races that are run in individual cities, right? There's, I mean, yes, Arizona, Oregon, Connecticut, um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yep. 
You're going to, you're going to just be plopping them down everywhere because it's it's such a fun holiday race. And it's a great way. I always kind of say that it's the one day of the year that, that moms get to, the kids are on the sidelines for the mom. I mean, we all have spent years on sidelines watching our kids perform and or in audiences or that sort of thing. And it's that one time a year that the kids can actually see, you know what? My mom's pretty badass. Like, look at her. She's out there. She's in a race. I mean, it's really thrilling for a lot of kids to see what their moms can do. Well, and the great thing about it too, is that it's meant to, um, bring women of all athletic abilities together, right? So from the women who've never even thought they could run a 5k, you know, to those who have maybe run, you know, 55 Ks, um, there's something in this, in this race for everyone. And we have, you've created training plans, which we're, we're continuing on and training tips and all of those things. So that as you're getting ready to run this 5k, um, you're supported all along, along the way, which is, which I love. It's just what a great way for women to be able to, to your, your point, there is something very special about crossing that finish line. Like it feels like you have done something and it, and it feels amazing. And so that's the experience we really want to bring to all women. And it's really interesting. We, um, we've had one year very early on. I think I had a woman that was a hundred, um, do the race with her family. So she was walking it and I realized, and she was the final finisher that nobody should be a final finisher. So we have a fairy mother runner who usually will sweep up the back and um, she usually has you know, w- wings on and fun, glittery things. And she kind of is always the last one that crosses the finish line so that that everybody doesn't feel like, well, it's the last one um, because nobody is. I mean, everybody, everybody gets a lot out of the day. And um, sure, there are PRs or personal bests and that sort of thing, but it's actually just getting out there and doing something for yourself. And oftentimes, I'll have women and it sort of depends on the race location and what people do, but we don't allow strollers in Ridgefield. And the reason that I, I did one is the town didn't really, wasn't really excited about it, but it, as soon as you put a stroller on the course, you're not racing for yourself. And you're, you know, if your child drops his binky or if he needs another animal cracker, you're going to have to stop. Or if he's whining, you have to stop. And all of a sudden, that race is no longer about you. It's about the kid. (laughs) So, you know, what we should also outlaw is cranky husbands and partners throwing (laughs) a child at the mom right after she crosses the finish line. There should be like a buffer zone that they can't go into and you can hang out there as long as you want after the race. Do you like this idea? That's brilliant. Yes. And there should be massage tables and hypervolts and champagne. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whoa, whoa, we're passing it up. I just wrote down fairy mother runner, which I did not know about. <laughs> so cool. So, but. you know, this whole, this whole conversation is bringing me all the way back to what we talked about in the beginning, which is relationships. You know, we talked about it in a different context, but the truth is, Sarah is building something really special Mm -hmm. and it starts 
it's all women, right? Everything Sarah's doing is all women. And so we feel safe and secure in that environment, but it all starts with our relationships with ourselves, with our bodies. And it extends from there. And the races, the Run Like a Mother series, I mean, this is a really special group of people who have something in common, um, who have like-minded interests, and who all want the best for themselves and each other. And when you add all those women together, you combine them with the Zuma community, and you add like the uniform, which is, of course, skirt sports, like (laughs) you just have this magical... cloud of fairy dust, you know, fairy mother runner dust. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, well, two things, um, what's amazing about run like a mother when it is in, in real life, IRL or whatever, um, almost everybody wears the racer shirt that day. So I had already talked to Sarah. I'm like, gosh, we got to get the, a a skirt sport skirt to match the race, um, shirt so that everybody can really look totally polished in themselves on, on that day. Um, and it's funny because they do, and it's like a sea of whatever color that race shirt is that day. It's like a sea moving down the street. It's so beautiful. And people have always said to me, well, I'm not a mother. Can I run? I said, do you know one? (laughs) If you know one, if you are one, whatever, you just have to be a woman. And very early on, and I think in 2008 or 2009, I had a guy send me this harassing email. Why can't, why can't I run? I said, well, it's a women's only event. And, um, there are some women that feel very intimidated when a guy is like pulling at his shorts and burping and farting and doing whatever he's doing to get ready for his race, breathing hard next to her. She, she doesn't feel as comfortable as if it's just this whole lift me up woman thing. And he wrote me back and he said, why don't you let the guy that wears the pants and pays the bills run the race? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my first thought was, well, we can all just hang out in our own burping and farting together. But when a guy's (laughs) doing it in our midst, it just changes everything. I mean, this is what it is to be an athlete, but yeah, I mean, I get it. This we've all created communities of women and yeah, gender lines are getting a little blurry these days. And I appreciate that. And I want people to live the life they were meant to live. But when you get the aggression on the other Mm -hmm. side, that's, what's tough, you know? So I applaud you for, building what you were able to create, which is just something super magical and super beautiful. And like all things, it evolves. And right now it's evolved to the point where you're ready to send that baby, your fourth baby, or maybe it was your first or second baby, (laughs) you know, off to a college and Sarah's going to be the professor and take it on for a while. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. I, I really am. And I've followed Zuma for a long time and um, Sarah, um, John Smith, our friend, had tried to introduce us at one point at an event and we were having lunch at different tables. And then by the time we turned around to get Sarah, she was gone. So that was probably two or three years ago. And she's always been on my mind is this is the person that I feel like, and I didn't even, I didn't even know her, but I felt like the brand that she was building was the one where run like a mother could lie. And it is, and it will. I'm so excited. Well, Megan, you didn't, you've never told me that before. (laughs) I love it. 
you know, believe it and it can happen. Right. Right. Like you right. said, believe those, cr trust your crazy ideas. I love yep. it. Um, Megan, is there any sort of final, you know, parting advice or, or wisdom that you would give as you navigate this process before we do the takeaways? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So final, I don't know. I, I think that we're in a really unique position right now where people are starting to recognize and really support the fact that that there is a little bit of gender issue and it's really coming to the head. We have really incredible female women leaders out there. We have really, um, we have a vice president, like that's like really cool. And I think it's an opportunity for for women to kind of take some, some, a look at themselves and say, yeah, you know what? I am capable of doing this. I do want to try this idea, whether it's training for a 5k or coming up with a, you know, a purse line or whatever somebody's wanting to do where it's been sitting back there and they just haven't had the courage that you act on it. You start talking about it. You talk about it in your head a lot, but you start vocalizing it. And then it starts to become something that is really palatable. And, and, you know, you, you'll be able to start seeing that you can make something work. And then and I think it's in one of your two shoe stores with not, and not everybody can see this, but <laughs> with all this lovely shoes behind you and the stores that you own and you run. I mean, it's so true. I mean, Nicole, Nicole chased a dream. You chased a dream. I chased a dream and you don't actually realize where it's going to go. No one could, could know, but I, I, I love that. I think that's so true, Megan. And I think that you, we also have to know that, man, it's, it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's a, it's a lot like, Oh, Nicole, she's so lucky. She's a pro triathlete. And now she started skirt sports. She, she worked hard for that. And, and, you know, you have to put a lot of sweat equity in. things don't just drop. Yeah. I slung a lot of skirts, but you know, <laughs> we, <laughs> we sling our fair share of, of all those good things to get to a finish line. And I'll tell you, you know, at the end of every episode, we do some takeaways. I'm going to take the first one, Sarah. I'm going to say that a big part of this episode is about chasing finish lines, only maybe to realize that there's another starting line just on the other side. But we want to get that beautiful feeling of walking on air, of accomplishment, of actually finishing a goal and tackling a dream. We want to get that feeling. And once we get it, we want to get it again and again and again. Yes. That's what the entire endurance industry is built on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our takeaway and well, a mantra it. for an industry. I love it. All right, Sarah, do you have some more takeaways? I do. Sarah? I have two. <clears throat> I have two. I think they were very clear. So one is to chase your crazy ideas which I think all three of us have. Um, and you're right. You never know where they might leave lead. Um, and then the, the other one was just to live for today, you know, stay in the now, um, give it your all be your best. And, um, you know, you, you can't look back and you don't also know what the, the future holds. So, uh, live in, live in the now. So those were my, those are my takeaways, my sum of Megan's wisdom. that she's <laughs> I love it. Well, Megan, welcome to the family. I am just so happy that we're all connected. Here's to the power of women making great things happen.
That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Megan. 